Welcome back to episode 68 of Sporting Max. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link, connecting you and your business with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Please welcome number 68, Melbourne United co-owner and co-owner of Hoop City, one of the greatest basketball facilities in Australia, Chris Moore. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. Today we are joined by Melbourne United co-owner um, and the legendary Hoop City co-owner, Chris Moore. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Chris. Uh, it's an amazing and a privilege and an honour to have you on. Uh, how are you going at the moment? Going pretty good, mate. Just back from a couple of days off. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, feeling a bit energised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Chris, it's great to have you on. Um, I want to start off with sort of your childhood and uh, what growing up was like for you. Um, growing up for me, I was, I was, just, I was just a sport mad kid. Mm-hmm. Basketball pretty much was was everything, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I was okay, but I was never really that good. Um, but I, I, I just loved it. Um, I grew up in what was a country town at the time. It's not so much anymore. But then um, all my friends now, all my everybody I hang out with now, all from my, my sporting and, and basketball childhood. I don't really have any sort of friends from school or anything like that. So my entire network is pretty much from my my growing up and, and playing basketball and sport. So my childhood, sport. <laughs> <laughs> so what was basketball like for you and um what, who are some of those people, you know, you've had um, a friendship with throughout all these years? Um, well, a couple of them are actually my business partners now mm-hmm. um, and involved with me at Melbourne United and Hoop City. Mm-hmm. Um, others, funnily enough, we live in the same area now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I grew up playing from um, uh, at Werribee, majority of yeah. my sort of junior career. But we were from all over the place. So my my mates from there are from, you know, Shepparton, mm-hmm. Sale, Horsham. Um, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, did you go to university? I didn't actually, Max. So I no. started, started a trade um, mm-hmm. early. I didn't know what I wanted to do really when I was older. Mm-hmm. So I, I um, actually did an electrical apprenticeship. Yeah. But by the third. But by the third year of that, I was in the office and doing wow. management, management type roles and mm-hmm. sort of never really looked back. So I was never any good at it. <laughs> I never really got the chance. Uh, like you mentioned, the management side of things, I believe you were then um, a director at services cost management. Um, you know, what did your position uh, consist of there and what was it like? Um, so that was an independent cost management company. So Basically, what I did was uh, represented builders or electrical contractors, et cetera, in their, um, whether it be feasibility studies, whether it be in independent valuations of work and those yeah. sorts of things. So it was, it was a bit of a broad-ranging thing, but it was all in the, uh, the costing side of major construction. So then how did you get into, like, with Metro Trains? Um, I went from that from the, the, suppose, that cost management side into the project management side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was managing a lot of projects that were in rail infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, Metro Trains and the Victorian government were my client. So after a number of years, I ended up moving from actually delivering the projects as, you know, as the contractor moved yeah. into to being client side. 
So how did you work your way up um, through the ranks at um, Metro Trains in Melbourne? Um, I've just been quite lucky, to be honest. I've, I've never really, not the kind of person who set a goal mm-hmm. or, um, you know, map, mapped out a plan of where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, it's sort of where things have taken where things have taken me and um, just taking the opportunities as they present themselves, I suppose. If you're comfortable, Max, you need to find something new. You need to be uncomfortable. You need to be yeah. out of your comfort zone. <laughs> um, so in September 2018, um, I think it was just after Melbourne United won the championship, um, you became a part owner of Melbourne United. Um, how did that opportunity present itself, obviously, with some of your best mates, and why do you really want to become um, a part of that Melbourne United group? Um, it was quite random, to be honest. I sort of was just sitting around and I texted one of the other guys, Callum, mm-hmm. and just said, Mel- Melbourne needs a second NBL team. <laughs> so, so we reached out to one of um, uh, a friend of ours who was involved in the NBL and whatever at the time. But mm-hmm. So the Phoenix had just purchased the licence yep. um, for the second Melbourne team, but it wasn't public yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, mm-hmm. there was an opportunity. Larry was selling down some of Melbourne United, so wow. Um, yeah, went from that text, went from that text message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, went went from that text message, and within two weeks, we were um, yeah, we were shareholders of Melbourne United. Um, I want to get into sort of Q four electrical uh, and communications. Um, what's that company about? Um. So that's, I suppose, me going back to my, my roots. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so me and the same similar guys that are in Melbourne United together, we've, we've started Q4 together. Mm-hmm. Um, we're an electrical and communications business and we deal in all the major infrastructure projects. So yeah. whether it's level crossing removals, commercial buildings, mm-hmm. uh, new railway stations, those sorts of things. Um, we're delivering electrical and comm systems on those sorts of things at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, very hectic at the moment with the big yeah. government. <laughs> um, I want to get into Hoop City. I mean, the start of the eight, uh, state of the art facilities. Um, where did the inspiration and idea um, for these facilities come about? Um, it's always been something that me and the guys had spoken about. But I think as we got older and as we had our own kids, you sort of realise in Victoria, particularly and all around Australia, mm-hmm. if you want to do individual training, there's nowhere to do it. You can't get a court. Um, you end up outside on an asphalt court or yeah. something like that. You can play as many team games and, and team training sessions as you like, but if you want to work on your individual skills, there's nowhere to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there's so much technology and those sorts of things that you can incorporate into it to make your training so much more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it as an opportunity, I suppose, that there was a, there was a gap. But our, our vision of Hoop City really is to just to help grow the game, mm-hmm. to um, provide access to elite facilities, the best. Mm-hmm. You know, Melbourne United, Melbourne United now train out of their full time. Yeah. Um, they, they moved out of the Aquatic Centre into Hoop City because it's a state-of-the-art facility. But mm-hmm. we just want to be able to provide that elite experience and make it mm-hmm. affordable and accessible to anybody, whether you're a five-year-old just beginning, whether you're a 50-year-old that just loves basketball, mm-hmm. whether you're an aspiring athlete, it doesn't matter. At Hoop City, you get that elite experience and it gives you whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so when did you first sort of start building Hoop City? 
Um, it was about this time last year that, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, we, we kicked off. I think we took possession of our first site in November last year. Wow. Um, <laughs> but then obviously we've had a few bumps along the way, the way <laughs> with COVID um, and it's sort of uh, prohibited some of our development. So one yep. of the biggest things that we're doing at Hoop City is our the, um, development pathway. Mm -hmm. um, that we're working on in partnership with the NBL. Mm -hmm. um, we, we plan on it being one of the best alternate pathways to your state program or your, mm -hmm. you know, your centre of excellence in Australia. And um, it's hindered us a little bit, COVID, but yeah, yeah we, we, we officially opened in March this year, but I think we've mm -hmm. been closed about four times since yeah. <laughs> Um You mentioned Melbourne United coming in um, from the Melbourne Sports and Aquatic Centre and training full-time at Hoop City. How did you get that to happen? Um, well, it was a bit of a bit of fluke, to be honest. Like, well, mm -hmm. obviously, we've got the connection there with Melbourne United and ourselves. Yeah. But um, when the NBL Cup came, uh, all teams needed to train out of the um, MSAC. This is the mm -hmm. NBL Cup. Yeah. Which made which made MSAC a very a very crowded place. Perhaps. Yeah, so temporarily Melbourne United moved out of MSAC and moved into Hoop City so they'd have their own space during that NBL Cup period. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, it just became that from a high-performance perspective, it was just a much better place for them to be, having the, mm -hmm. the, the gym, um, the facilities, the technology, the shooting machines, everything mm -hmm. incorporated mm -hmm. and integrated into one space. Um, yeah, the high performance team and, and the management team just decided that it was a, it was a better place for the team from mm -hmm. non-corp. So. Um, what's your involvement in Hoop City been like so far? Um, it's been really exciting, but it's been challenging the opening and closing max because we've got such mm -hmm. um, such good big plans. Um, but like any new thing, you need to be up and going and evolving and growing and and mm -hmm. change, changing with as you know, you can do all the best planning in the world, but mm -hmm. it's never 100% right. So I'm hoping now that we're back up and going, we can um, stay open yeah. and really fine-tune what we're doing and really launch the products that we haven't been able to launch yet, mm -hmm. particularly our development pathway, which is going to be absolutely amazing. Can you take me through uh, some of the coaches you've got um, on your sort of team? So uh, uh, the, the main three are we've got Justin Schuler, who's the Australian under-17 coach. So he's he's written our, our development program. Wow, um, yeah. Uh, so he, he's written the actual program. He coaches the coaches, those sorts of things, and he's, he's involved in um, mm -hmm. the delivery and the implementation. So at all our venues, um, so we will be Australia-wide yeah. in, in not, not too distant future, and um, all of our venues will implement the same program. Mm -hmm. um, then we have Dylan Stith. So mm. Dylan's obviously a recent player. However, uh, a lot of people wouldn't know, Dylan's mum is a teacher. Wow. And his brother is a vice president um, of a university in the States. So wow. education, <laughs> education and teaching is in his blood. Mm -hmm. um, so just because you're a great player doesn't mean you're a great coach. But in Dylan's um, uh, instance, I think he was actually made for coaching more yeah. so. Than, he's amazing. And then we've got an Australian legend, Belinda Snell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you don't have to say too much about her, but same thing. She, she's just amazing. What mm. she's done. There's, there's not too many Australians with a record like hers. Mm. 
Uh, I've seen you've had a couple of runs in games with guys like Chris Anstey, you know, Andrew Parkinson, David Anderson, and more at Hoop City, I think it was prior to opening or maybe just afterwards. What was it like to take the court, you know, with these Australian basketball legends? Yeah, it was pretty cool. They were actually back there last night. Were they? Um, yeah, so they were there <laughs> running around. So I, I played with um, Parky and, and Warwick Giddy and those sorts of guys for mm-hmm. years. So um, it's always been been an absolute ball to play with those guys. And you just yeah. see, like, they're just a step above everybody else. It doesn't change. Parky's mm-hmm. in his 50s now. He's going through yeah. his health battles. But he, like, he still shoots lights out. He's just yeah. so, <laughs> so competitive. Um, it's good fun because now, you know, whenever we're all out there together, we're just we're just having a bit of fun. We take it serious and it's competitive, yeah. but at the same time, it's a bit of fun. So, mm-hmm. no, I love getting on the court with those guys. Absolutely love it. Uh, so where's Hoop City going next? Um, so we've got Geelong opening up in December. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking, I can't give too much away, Max, yeah. but um, by the middle of next year, I plan we should be in at least four other states. Wow. Um, can you sort of talk to me about, you know, your vision for Hoop City and going across Australia? Um, like I said, it, it's being able to provide those facilities that, that aren't there for kids at the moment. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, sorry, when I say kids, it's whether it's for basketballers, mm-hmm. for hoopers, whatever you want to call them. Um, so, yeah, it's about providing that facility. But our, our biggest vision is about growing the game mm-hmm. and really giving these kids uh, pathways so you think about it, Max, there's the Centre of Excellence in, in Canberra or the old ABS. Yeah. Um, there's your state programs. Mm-hmm. Then outside of that, you know, if you miss those programs, what's the next thing for you? Mm, exactly. You're in your rep program or whatever it is. So we want to provide an alternate pathway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's, what, that's the biggest plans we've got. We want it to be a national program. Um, kids can come and they can incorporate everything, whether it's online, face-to-face, whatever it will be, mm-hmm. uh, and give them the exposure to the NBL and NBL1 coaches and players and teams that um, mm-hmm. that they can't get now. Um, I saw you partnered with the NBL through that development sort of program. What does that mean to you to have, you know, the, the NBL um, in Australia come on board um, with Hoop City? Oh, it's huge. So if you want to be the best or if you want to provide the best, what a better way to do it than to partner with the, the most elite league in the, in Australia mm. and probably the top three leagues in the world. In the world, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was, it was huge for us. Um, it's very early. The program mm. very early. And then, like I said, we've, we've had a few, few uh, patches where we haven't uh, been able to operate and sort of get ourselves mm. up and going. But when we relaunch in January next year, it's, it's going to be huge. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to you to have someone like Chris Golding, you know, be a part of Hoop City? It's huge. Absolutely mm-hmm. huge. He's yeah. one of the best shooters in, in the world, probably, mm. you know. There's things he's in the top 20 shooters in the world. Mm, um, wow. he, he's, he's an amazing um, basketballer from an Australian sense. Mm-hmm. You know, he's come home with the rose gold. <laughs> and, um, but, but even more importantly than that, and it'll sound cliche, he's just a really good dude too. Mm-hmm. And um, he sees himself being involved really heavily and really hands-on mm-hmm. when, he's, when his playing time comes to an end, which I don't see it for a little while yet. Yeah. But, uh, 
But it's it's amazing, and that's another thing we want from Hoop City too, Max. Is we we mm-hmm. see it providing an opportunity for retiring um, or whatever they may be, basketballers, coaches, yeah. whatever. Um, when they step out of that, you know, out of the highest league, out of the NBL, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, opportunities, whether it's jobs, ownership, mm-hmm. whatever, in Hoop City around Australia, and mm-hmm. just an opportunity for them to to work and give back and you know, stay involved with the game that they've loved and been involved in their whole life. Can you talk to me, I guess, about what you do um, right now at Melbourne United? What do I do? I'm on the executive board. Yep. So um, we are quite hands-on at the moment, I suppose, given the transition between CEOs and and a a bit of change happening at the moment. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so I sit on that. We sort of guide the strategy and, and set the objectives for the for the club moving forward, so we're working mm-hmm. on a three to five year strategy at the moment mm-hmm. with Nick Rawson, our new CEO, who's doing an amazing job. Yeah, um, yeah. I had a bit of involvement with um, recruitment and things this year, which was an eye opener mm-hmm. for me. But it was really good. Yeah. So, what was that involvement in um, recruitment like for you, and who do you really want to get um, onto the team? In terms of. Um, who did I want to get into the team? I, I let the coaches pick the players. Yeah. Um, we have a process that mm-hmm. we go through. So my role was really to make sure that we went through the process, ticked all the boxes, mm-hmm. but I'm not the person, Max, that's got the smarts to say <laughs> who we should and who we shouldn't have. Yeah. And, I, I, and then I dealt with the, um, a lot of the negotiations and those sorts mm-hmm. of things to, to make sure we can get them, get the players and, you know, make it affordable and, Put as competitive team as we can on the, on the court. Are the champions, Melbourne United, winning the title last season in NBL 21. What was your championship experience like? Um, unfortunately, I think we missed out a little bit on really getting to experience because of the yeah. COVID and, and everything else. You know, there's absolutely no doubt we would have been at every single one of those finals games. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been... I think about the after party, you know, mm-hmm. it was cut short. It was, yeah. You know, it was a really, really difficult time. So every now and again, we have the conversation and say, we, we probably didn't celebrate that enough. Mm-hmm. And it was also planned to be a really short off season as well. So it was yeah. sort of jumped straight back into things. But um, uh, it's it's nothing, to be honest, the experience for me was, it was all about watching watching those players. Mm-hmm. Like oh, there was some of those guys, Chris, Joe Chul, um, mm. you know, watching Joe out in the court with the South Sudanese flag, like yeah. with, with his kids, Shay Ely out there with his kids. Mm-hmm. That was the best for me, and, and, my, and enjoying it with my son and my my partner. Mm. Like it was, uh, it was amazing. But yeah, seeing seeing what it meant for those players after the mm-hmm. year that they had, yeah, that was the, that was the best thing. Uh, what would be your best advice to anyone who wants to become a part owner of an NBL club and be successful like yourself? Oh, um, the best piece of advice. Um, it's not easy, mm-hmm. um, and it sounds uh, it sounds really exciting, but it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is hard work. You can't go into these things and just think, you know, I'm going to be an owner and just sort of sit back and, you know, those sorts of things. Where the the league's at right now, Mm -hmm. they've done an absolutely amazing job, but there's still a lot more work to do for the clubs Mm -hmm. um, 
for them to become sustainable and um, mm. and to really be able to you know, uh, keep growing and growing. So my, my advice, I suppose, would be if you want to do it, uh, do everything you need to get to do it, to get in mm -hmm. there and, and do it, but be prepared to do some work. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Chris, for coming on the podcast today. You, you know, sort of putting aside half an hour or so on your time to come on and have a chat. It's been a privilege to speak to you. No worries. Thanks, Max. Anytime. Thanks, Chris. Stay tuned, everyone, for small Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sporting Max. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, and be sure to follow our socials. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. This is the voice of Melbourne. And we'll see you back here real soon for another episode of Sporting Max.